Live from WNUR News, I'm Passbaum. You're listening to the 6 o'clock news on WNUR 89.3 FM HD1 Evanston, Chicago. It's Friday, May 13th. Tonight on WNUR News, should President Morty Shapiro be sent to Hinman? Tony nominees rundown and the J name theory. Those stories coming up tonight on WNUR News at 6. Thanks for tuning in. Northwestern reported 450 new positive cases of COVID-19 this week. Among them, President Morton Shapiro tested positive on Tuesday. From Inside Hinman, reporter Justine Fisher spoke with four other students in quarantine about what makes what Hinman is like and what whether President Shapiro should try it out for himself. Welcome to Hotel Hinman. 1835 Hinman is this year's quarantine destination for Northwestern's on-campus undergraduate students when they test positive for COVID-19. This week, COVID cases spiked at Northwestern with 450 new positive cases and a 9% positivity rate. We also had one of our most notable positive cases. Northwestern's president, Morton Shapiro, tested positive for COVID Tuesday and announced it Wednesday. I sat down with four Hinman residents to ask, should the university be giving Morty 30 minutes to pack all of his belongings before shipping him over to Hinman? Four Medill freshmen, Jade Thomas, Selena Koznikov, Olatunji Osha-Williams, and Colin Crawford give their takes. Do you think that Morty should have to go to Hinman? Honestly, yes, I do. Have you guys ever seen Undercover Boss? Okay, you know how they go undercover to see how their employees are living? I think Morty should be in Hinman. I have a lot of respect for the man, but Hinman is not the best. And I think maybe if the people who made these decisions were actually living how like we're living and eating what we're eating, then maybe we get some change moving it's not terrible in here but like it definitely could be better um and i feel like he would like really hate it okay i'm gonna be honest i completely agree with that i think that there needs to be change especially because okay i was on tiktok and i saw this girl who went to uh usc i think Hey, she got COVID and her school put her in a hotel. They gave her like $70 worth of DoorDash a day. It's not like we don't have the money to do that. There's a lot of money that goes into this institution. I think that there needs to be change for the sake of students' mental health. For the Oh, and the AC. Thank you, Jay, for bringing that up. Um, for like the first four or five days that I was in here, it was hot. And like, I know other people who were... Um, I'm on the second floor. I know people who were on like fourth and fifth floor where they were like, couldn't sleep. It was like so hot because they hadn't turned the AC on. And it's like, that's like a really basic thing. And like people are out here getting $70 worth of DoorDash, getting put in like nice hotels. And what are we getting? I think, I think, I think it makes sense for him to take a little trip to Hotel Hinman, like respectfully, um, because like I feel that as though if you hear all these things like just the, throughout the entire year about the situation in Hinman like and it's your last year out one to repair your image or lack thereof I think it would make sense to I don't know do something 
like maybe just stay for a day or two and then report on your experience. Maybe that could help your PR team. Um, or just really just like try to actually gauge how students are feeling by living how they, the way that students are living. Was Hinman what you expected and what has been your experience so far? It's gonna sound like kind of macabre, but um, I like kind of expect, I think like it's better because like the whole campus is like low-key sick right now. It'd be different if like I was just like one of like a hundred people who have like COVID on campus right now. But our positivity rate, like, last week was, like, 8%. So that's, like, almost, like, 400 people who, like, have COVID, like, in the Northwestern community. So, like, I feel like, I don't know, it sounds, like, bad, but I feel like I'm, like, not missing out on much since, like, everyone's sick anyway. The first day, at least for me, genuinely, the first day was kind of horrible because I woke up and then I tested super early, 9 a.m., and then I was essentially packed in the van to Hinman by 10 a.m. 10 a.m. and I didn't go to breakfast because I didn't want to spread anything. And then from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. I didn't have like any food uh, because when you come into Hedman, in order to get your food for the next day, you have to you have to fill out a, a form the day prior. Since it was my first day, I hadn't filled out the form, and so it just took them a while, multiple calls until I got a bowl of mac and cheese, which really helped. Um, but it was really exhausting, given that I was just laying in bed, I had a fever. And I had nothing to eat aside from that. I think that, like, for me, Hinman was, like, it's what I expected. Um, I think I'm having probably a better time than people had in, like, winter quarter. Just because we don't have, like, roommates right now. Even though they sent out an email that that might be happening soon. Um, I didn't expect to, like, fall behind and, like, schoolwork as much as I did I have like no motivation to do anything in here and less professors like make it accessible to like students who are in quarantine yeah like I know like some people are like oh I want to like email my professor like can you open the zoom but like for those first few days like that you have it like the fatigue is like so overwhelming like even if it's like like not respiratory like heavy anymore like with the new variants like the fatigue like it's like debilitating like getting up is hard doing work for even like 10 minutes is like really difficult and like also like eating is really hard like not only is like your appetite gone but also like after eating a couple bites like you're just really tired as to what Jade said, it's just so hard to do work. I don't know. I just like, this is my seventh day in here. And for the past however many days, I've just been feeling so, so tired where it's like, it's not even like, oh, it's hard to have motivation, which yes, it is. But like, it's hard to even physically do anything. What are all your thoughts on the potential of having a Hinman roommate? That'd be horrible. Um, I think spending... 24 hours a day and hear from another person that I know people have already had this fate and I'm sorry they had it, but that would not be good because one, you're just sharing a small space of another person all the time. Another person you don't know, you don't know their living habits, you know their eating habits, you don't know like 
I was gonna say something crazy, but like they're also, <laughs> it's like you're also both sick together, and that's just not a good. I don't think that's a good experience for anyone. Yeah, I think, hey, like when you're first like sick, I was like really irritated. Not because like, well, obviously like, I don't want to like be in here, but because like. I'm like sick. Like I don't want to like talk to anyone like for an extended period of time. Like I can handle small conversations, but for the most part, like if I'm not gonna be like with my mom, then I'd rather just be alone. While President Shapiro likely will not be quarantining with us, with rising cases, understanding what him is like is essential for undergrads that may end up here before the quarter ends. From 1835 Hinman, Justine Fisher, WNUR News. Welcome back to WNUR News. It's 6.09 p.m. Central Time. Moving on to arts and entertainment. The Tony Awards, Broadway's most important awards show, just announced 2022 nominees. Jordan Manji has all you need to know about who made the cut. With the Grammys, Oscars, and Met Gala behind us, there aren't many more celebrity-studded live television events to scrutinize this season. And some may say awards season is over completely, but fear not. To the delight of former theater kids everywhere, the Tony Awards are just around the corner. On Monday, nominees for the 75th Tony Awards were announced. The Tonys are the biggest award for Broadway shows, which will be hosted by Ariana DeBose this year. And while you maybe haven't seen any of the shows due to skyrocketing ticket prices, skyrocketing New York City prices, or, you know, the pandemic, I've got you covered. Here is everything you need to know to follow along when the Tonys air June 12th. This year, six new musicals were nominated in the Best Musical category. They include MJ, a Michael Jackson biopic, Six, a pop rock show about Henry VIII's six wives, and The Girl from North Country, a jukebox musical of Bob Dylan's music set in Depression-era Minnesota. Paradise Square, which tackles a Civil War-era riot between Black and Irish New Yorkers, and a musical take on Mr. Saturday Night, starring Billy Crystal himself, also make the cut. But perhaps the most talked about in the theater world recently, and poised to potentially win, is A Strange Loop. The new meta-musical is about a Black queer man writing a musical. The script, by Michael R. Jackson, recently won the Pulitzer for drama. The cast is all Black, with one actor playing the playwright and six more voicing his inner thoughts. I am a Disney usher, I'm barely scraping by. My discontentment comes in many shapes and sizes. When I wake up each morning, I tell myself to try. I tell myself that I will make no compromises. You write musicals? Yeah. Awesome. Have you seen Hamilton? One ensemble actress in a strange loop, Elle Morgan Lee, made history as the first openly transgender performer to be nominated for a Tony. Broadway doesn't have the strongest history of trans representation, and hopefully this nomination will pave the way for more. Other noteworthy nominations include Seven, for colored girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow is not enough, which recently set an early close date due to low ticket sales. The play recently also went viral, at least on theater Twitter, when a pay-it-forward campaign was started to get Black women tickets before it closes. You might be thinking, Jordan, I've never heard of any of these people or plays in my life. Tell me about someone I do know. Don't worry, I've got those too. Jesse Tyler Ferguson of Modern Family and Jesse Williams of Grey's Anatomy both received nominations for their performances in Take Me Out, a revival of a 2002 play about homophobia and baseball. 
Broadway superstar Sutton Foster received a nom for her lead role as Marion in The Music Man, and even bigger Broadway superstar Patti Lapone nabbed one for her role in the revival of Company. She also recently made headlines when she called out an audience member who wouldn't put a mask on in the middle of a company talkback. And, of course, as with any awards season, there were snubs, and shocks as well. Beanie Feldstein of Booksmart and Lady Bird helmed a much-anticipated revival of Funny Girl, and didn't get nominated. The show opened a few weeks ago to lukewarm reviews, especially about her singing abilities not being up to par with Barbara Streisand's. Leah Michelle is reportedly very relieved. I'm kidding. Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick co-starred in a revival of Plaza Suite, and neither screen star got a nom either. And one of Northwestern's very own, Katrina Link, was surprisingly not nominated for her starring gender-bent role in Company as Bobby. Tough year for the cats. When it comes down to it, the Tony Awards are about money. Shows that already close by the time the awards come out are less likely to win. Additionally, only 29 nominators get to put in their input and must see all 34 eligible productions. That's a lot of weight per voter, meaning some talented actors, designers, playwrights, and directors just get overlooked. And I'd be remiss to not mention the tons and tons of work that goes on behind the scenes of Broadway shows that barely get recognized by the Tonys at all. From swings to stagehands and ushers to dressers, it takes lots of people to make something as big as Broadway happen. Where's their Tony? For WNUR News, I'm Jordan Manji. School gets out in just four weeks, which means many Northwestern students are on the lookout for a summer fling. But boys with J, ma- J names might be excluded from the dating pool. Back in May, Allison Rauch investigated the J name theory, the idea that boys with J names are generally up to no good. If you're under a certain age and have spent any time on the internet, you may have heard of a curious phenomenon, that of the J name. Definitions vary. A quick search on reputable online source Urban Dictionary revealed an entry for J-name theory, defined as, quote, any guy whose name starts with a J is complete crap and you shouldn't date them, end quote. J-guy is defined as men having, quote, traits like anger issues, cheating, ignoring, self-centered, and show no emotions, end quote. Scrolling over to TikTok, I saw numerous videos such as, if his name starts with J, you better stay the hell away, and a phrase I literally don't recommend at all, boys whose names start with J. It seems then that the J-name phenomenon is weirdly gendered, falling squarely on men who date women. I asked freshman Antonia Carlson, who has dated a J-name man and lived to tell the tale, for a little more on this angle. So this particular J-name is Jamie. He, he's actually still a good friend of mine. I actually dated him like, during that stage of like, your teenage years where you don't really know what dating is. Then we got together later on. If, if you got emotionally attached, yes, your heart would have been broken. He would he would have seemed like a heartless person. I would say he was emotionally unavailable. He's just not the type to have a relationship. Carlson's J name seemed to check some of the boxes, non-committal and a bit of a heartbreaker. But it seemed her experience overall wasn't as bad as the TikToks are making it seem. Thinking more broad scale, I know multiple people who have had pretty positive experiences with J names. 
So where is this phenomenon coming from? I wanted to go to the source, so I rounded up a panel of J-name boys and asked them what they thought. Have you heard the stereotype that J-name boys are like, they're or they're like, break your heart? I haven't. I would agree. In my personal experience, I would agree with the stereotype that, you know, they're often like white, bluish guys. That's Jacob Jarding, Weinberg freshman and double J-name. He, like many I spoke to, was not aware of the stereotype until I introduced it to him. But it was interesting to me that he agreed with it regardless. Do, do you think there's like a, a difference between different J names <laughs> in terms of how bad? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't think there's any J name that's too bad. Um, I don't think there's a J name like Chad out there. That's a bad name to have. Or at least to a certain extent. Overall, though, Jarding seemed to take it in stride, a sense I noticed varied among my panelists. To start, um, what do you know about the J-name phenomenon? Allegedly, allegedly, boys with J-names are apparently no good and cause, cause some issues in relationships, which I feel is propaganda. That's John Jameson, School of Calm freshman and another double J-name. He's a good friend of mine, and we've debated this topic before. The evidence here seems circumstantial. Me, personally, as an unbiased source, I think J-names are just glowing people with amazing gifts to offer the world, and that really we should just, like, be paying more attention to, like, are they a business major? Do they have a Saturdays for the boys flag? I mean, it's an interesting argument about nominative determinism, about whether or not your J-name will grow up to be an a- Jameson does make a good point. Perhaps other personality indicators like major choice and dorm decor say more about how potentially terrible a boyfriend will be than the name his parents chose for him. The anti-J name propaganda is really going strong right now, but I, I really don't think it's going to stop me or the other J names from just uh, white-boying the shit out of this summer. And the stigma, really. I just... <laughs> it's been too long. For so long, my J-name brothers and sisters and siblings have suffered in the yoke of this oppressive nomenclature. I rounded out my panel with Medill freshman Jimmy He, who, like Jarding, had been unaware of the stereotype. I did not know about it until I was asked to interview about it, and then I researched it with my girlfriend, and we were like, oh, wow, okay. And then I watched some TikToks. Had to do some digging, investigative journalism, and was like, damn, like, kind of hurt. It was like, avoid people, avoid dudes with J names, like, they'll screw you over, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I feel so attacked. I didn't know this was a thing. And there's a lot of guys out there with J names. J names are very, like, common for guys. He also brings up a good clue as to maybe why this phenomenon is so gendered. J names are fairly common for guys. When asked to name examples of guy J-names, all my panelists rattled off several. But when I asked if they thought the J-name phenomenon could apply also to girls or other genders with J-names, they were hard-pressed to think of any J-names. I guess it's more likely for girls to have negative experiences with guys with J-names just because there's more of them. And I'm sure, like, if one person posts a story or something on TikTok and people would be like, oh, I had the same experience or I have a similar experience, and they're going to share. And that is what continues to build up into the J-name phenomenon from what I'm guessing. He's analysis seems viable. 
The frequency of the J name boy mixed with the often complicated aspects of young people dating seems like it could be the perfect environment to create such a stereotype. But the J name phenomenon might not be completely negative. In my research, I found other jokes saying J name boys are hot, which could play into a sort of bad boy effect. Overall, the stereotype seems to be of the same effect as Gemini suck, based off factors that are out of one's control. And though there may be some truth to nominative determinism, I would say that the, the Hanks brothers are prove that nominative determinism is a thing. You have Colin Hanks and you have Chet Hanks. Perhaps we should take more stock in other factors before we judge a person's character. If you ignore enough red flags, you can't just blame it on the J name. For WNUR News, I'm Allison Rauch. This week on State of the N Union, your weekly ASG Senate coverage. New opportunities for student-faculty bonding, a potential Norris Outdoors credit, and an updated code review and constitution. Welcome to State of the N Union, your weekly ASG Senate coverage. This week, two new resolutions and an updated constitution. Senate passed the Take a Faculty Member to Lunch resolution sponsored by newly elected Chief of Staff Stephanie Shields. The resolution calls upon the university to allocate funds for outside-the-classroom bonding events for students and faculty. Also sponsored by Senator Shields, Senate passed the Norris Outdoors Credit Resolution. This resolution urges the university to establish a credit system similar to that of the printing credit students receive at the beginning of each year. If implemented, while prioritizing students who applied for financial aid, the university would provide students with a quarterly credit to spend on renting supplies from Norris Outdoors. The Senate approved the new code review and constitution with limited changes. Next week, ASG will decide on the allocation of funds for student organizations for the upcoming cycle. At this meeting, student groups can lobby to increase their funding. That's all for today's State of the N Union. Check in next Friday to see what ASG has been up to between now and then. For WNUR News, I'm Passbaum. To finish off, a quick weather and news update. Evanston is cooling off a bit, but we certainly won't be returning to winter weather. Tonight, a slight chance of showers and thunderstorms after 3 a.m. Tomorrow, a high near 72 with a 40% chance of showers and thunderstorms. Sunday, the same with a high near 67. Looking ahead to next week, it'll be partly sunny with highs around 60 to 70 degrees. Perfect for Dillo Day. Taking a look into the headlines. As, this, as of this week, Northwestern has a 9.28% COVID positivity rate and the Evanston community risk level is categorized as high. The indoor mask mandate remains lifted in both, campus, both on campus and in Evanston. One of Illinois' only historically black colleges, Lincoln College, is shutting its doors after 157 years. The college president stated that the college's enrollment severely decreased during COVID and they do not have sufficient funds to reopen in the fall. For now, abortion is legal across the country, including Illinois. The Supreme Court ex is expected to overturn Roe v. Wade, though, which, at, at, at which point abortion will remain legal in Illinois but be criminalized in many other states. Some Republicans in Congress have mentioned proposing a bill that would criminalize abortion in all 50 states, but there is likely not enough congressional support to overturn a veto from President Biden. In international news, as Russia continues their invasion of Ukraine, Finland expressed intent to join NATO. Finland shares a border with Ukraine and previously fought with the Soviet military. 
That's all for WNUR News at 6 p.m. For more news updates and reports, follow us on Twitter at WNUR News. You can listen to these and other stories of the day on our website, WNUR.news. That's WNUR.news. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our producer today is Sarah Kadura, and our reporters are Justine Fisher, Jordan Manji, and Allison Rauch. From all of us here at WNUR News, I'm Pas Baum. Thanks for listening. Catch our next newscast on Monday, May 16th at 6 p.m. And remember to tune in next Friday for WNUR News' special broadcast, Tangential NU. During this hour-long special, reporters will cover stories that are tangentially related to Northwestern classics, like looking into a cat named Willard who co-authored a physics paper at Michigan State University. That'll be next Friday, May 20th, 6 to 7 p.m. Now, back to scheduled programming.